Now we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. All right, I'm Big Mandy. You're listening to what the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man who I've just taken out for his first driving lesson, and now he owes me a new dustbin. It's Neil, although obviously I haven't, because this is another lockdown episode. Hello, Neil. Well, yeah, <laughs> a pretend, a driving simulator game. There you go. Yeah. Do they? Have do they? I don't think anymore? they do. Grand Theft Auto is like our own version of Grand yeah, Theft Auto. Do. We'll do that now. Indeed. Shut up, Neil. We are for fuck's sake. Now, our super fan guest this episode is well known as D.I. Sleep from Murder in Successville, the no-nonsense cop solving celebrity murders along with his celebrity partner. He's also Gary King, ruler of his home and family in King Gary. You'll also have seen him in various sporty situations in League of Their Own or one of my personal favourites looking great in a leotard as one of the Butcher Brothers in Vic and Bob's House of Fools. And he's the only person that has got Chris Kamara to say the immortal line those teeth could do all sorts to my little titties is tom davis <laughs> how you doing man how you doing lads? You good? i'll tell you what mate very well tom it's been what a great intro <laughs> i love that line <laughs> first of all i will say to you know the same as neil we're sort of connoisseurs of comedy we've we you know we love all kinds of comedy i cannot believe it took me so long to find murder in successville because within three minutes i think of watching the first episode i thought where the fuck has this been all my life <laughs> and it just got better and that the, the kamara scene uh, the, the episode oh, thank you absolutely legendary it's my favorite oh, it's one of my favorites it's it's weird because it was it was a kind of a real cult show it was a really like it was a sort of not like a sleeper hit because i suppose i think we won a bastard of the year that the guy is Daisy one, and uh, so that's when I sort of really met. I met Daisy. I knew Daisy before, but that's the first time I met them. But yeah, it was a real slow burner, and and it's weird now because of Gary coming out, and uh, we re put it on the iPlayer. It's really like 
it sort of had a, like a second life almost. People sort of seem to have come to it again. It's it's mad though because it's almost like we we had sort of quite a few people. It it it's sort of done done well with within the sort of comedy community, I guess. Um, but yeah, we we it's it, yeah it's something I'm very proud of. It's an amazing show to make. And did you? So I mean, on the uh, the intro is that sort of the, the idea of the the show, but it's. Now, the one thing I question I wanted to ask, is it improvised or is there a script? Because your celebrity partner has no idea what's going on. Is that right? It's 100% improvised. It's got beats. of what, So we'll have beats of what the, what the episode is. We'll sort of know where a scene starts and when a scene finishes and we'll have ideas of what to do in the middle. But you can't fathom, you can't have any idea of what people are ever going to come up with. So... So when those celebrities are coming into the mix, it's just, you, you think, for example, Chris Kamara or Deborah Meaden or Jamie Lang are going to go one way and they go a completely different one. So it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 genuinely, like, it, it was from, I was sort of involved with it from the moment it sort of, you know, when we were coming up with it. And, and to be part of something that felt so different from anything else that had ever really been made, we were, we were making up the rules as it happened. And we're mm-hmm. doing it now, like, we're, you know, this is, this is, sort of something when exclusive I get weird it's it's sort of in America now they're making it and and they're so we're, how we did it is very much like when we're chatting to them they're sort of like we're, we're trying to give them the rules of, of that we learned but it, it was it was a hell of a thing really especially to, to to you know in in this sort of modern world I suppose to have made something that that felt so original it was pretty cool how did you get the guests Tom uh, through begging, because <laughs> we had no, bu- no, we had no budget. You know, it was a BBC Three show, and we genuinely like when I say like we had so little money to make it. That's why it's all filmed in the dark because it was easier to film late, at, like in the afternoon at winter, so we didn't have to dress the sets. Genuinely, like, you know, so it was all done by mood light. It's really clear. The, the the DOP Roy Estabrook is incredible on in it, and James Defron, the the, the um, writer. Uh, uh, director with me who sort of does all my stuff we work together so um, the guest was just it was kind of like Greg Greg James was like massive for us because Greg had done a little taste that we did and Greg is one of the sort of loveliest dearest guys I know so Greg was on on board and then and Dermot O'Leary got on board quite quickly for that first series Uh, and then it was just sort of like kind of just Sort of like, for example, I thought Jamie Lang because my wife's obsessed with reality TV. So I was like, Jamie Lang would be amazing to do this because he's just so funny. I found him amusing whenever I watch him on uh, um, Made in Chelsea. I just him as a person. So, but he hadn't really at that time done any real comedy. He hadn't done it. You know, now you know him doing panel shows. He hadn't done anything. So at the time, people were really against him doing it, and uh, we sort of had to fight for that. But lucky we did. Deborah Meaden, someone else pulled out the day that Deborah Meaden, or the day before Deborah Meaden did it, and, and then Deborah, we went to Deborah and asked her, and Deborah came in, and for me, again, she was incredible. So, we, so second series was a little easier. We had the first series had been like a critical success, so you could go out to more people and can me Mark Wright, and you know, and then third series it was sort of like people were kind of asking to do it, and that's that's almost why after the third series I was like, that's enough now, and that's just. Well, I respect massively what sort of Charlie and Daisy have done with this country. Is for us anyway. It was like there's only so far we can go with this before we're emulating stuff that we've done before. 
uh, with something like murder and successful, like ninety percent of murder and successful is shock or like putting someone in a situation where they don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And as soon as you can actually see the sort of like the like the beats of what what might be going on, like for example, the, the bit in the opening episode when we got in Jamie Lang and we're doing him going in into the sort of undercover bit. Yeah. Uh, you could never do that again because people knew how to play it. And that's what you saw was in that third series, more and more people, you're like, oh shit, they, they kind of know how to play the game. And that was the sort of, that was why we were like, yeah, let's, let's call it a day. And the BBC wanted more and uh, streamers wanted, you know, we, we it won a BAFTA in the last series and people were like, all right, let's maybe Netflix and other people sort of sniffed about it. And, uh, but it just wasn't, it, you know, it felt like we'd done as much as we could. And it's, you know, we're awfully proud of it, but I think you have to know when to, uh, what's the what's the um uh the, you know you've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. R.I.P. Kenny. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, Kenny. Kenny. Tom, <laughs> did you did you um, miss out on a guest that you really wanted at all? Uh, yeah, there was a couple. Like we got really close to to uh, Beckham at one point. Wow, um, <laughs> that uh, was amazing. There was a couple of people. There was a couple of people who got really really close to, and then diaries couldn't he just couldn't make diaries work. And then what was really frustrating is after um, the last series, loads of people came to us going, oh, because it last series went out on BBC One after Match of the Day in a similar sort of slot that, uh, like this country, and people were just nothing and flea bag. You know, when you look at, like, when, when we were... That's the thing I'm amazingly proud of. It's like, we came out at the time of BBC Three when, like, those shows were... It was such a powerhouse. And you look at mm. everyone who, who was around at that time and where they are now. It's a real like thing to be proud of, like where we've all mm-hmm. evolved. Um, but uh, that last series, yeah, it, it was picking up more viewers. It seemed like, and then, like now, it's but I, it was you know that was what, two years, so yeah, two thousand seventeen, maybe eighteen. We we filmed the last one and seventeen. That's yeah. So so people are still now asking, oh, are you going to do another one? And maybe one day, maybe, but. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. It's it's disappointing, but I don't. I, what I didn't want to do is just start bringing it back for sketches on on things where it's like oh, we've got a really big guest, but it's just going to be sleet and it's going to be a funny skit. Mm. It felt like no, it has to be the whole thing, and and also I'm a believer that once you've done, I think you have to move on. You have to try and move on to the next thing, and and otherwise, you know, you're never going to be fully. Like for me, it was like this has to. I have to move on to King Gary now and and, and do that. Otherwise, I'm sort of half baking. I'm half like going. Oh, I'm going to be doing King Gary, but I'm also going to keep my sort of safe safety net. You have to. Mm-hmm. And my career has never worked out like that. I, from the moment I started this job, and from the moment I, I got into it, it was always like you know. That's why I think my how much the love that I have for Daisy and Charlie uh, is is so much because they come from a similar position and. I was a scaffolder. I had no background at all. I've never trained as an actor. I've never trained as a writer. I left school without any any qualifications. So for me, like to take that jump from a full time job as being a scaffolder and going, no, you know what? I'm going to try it, try this out. Wasn't a thing I could do lightly. You know, it wasn't a thing that I could just go, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, and it took ten years to get where I am. But making those bold decisions of going, no, I have to. You have to cut those ties because it's the only way of, of moving forward. And I think hopefully the only way of improving. Because for a while, it seems to me like you were one of those guys a bit like Tony Way, that everybody knows your yeah. face and you crop yeah. up in a lot of things and you sort of go, oh, that's that guy. But they don't yeah. quite know your your name. So do you get that when you're walking down the street? People will go, oh, you're in that, oh, oh you're, what's, what's his name? 
I never had it with Murder and Successful. I, I seldom had it. It was such a sort of cult show, like by real like comedy sort of purists, that it wasn't. It, I mean, it's changed massively now. Like League of Their Own and King Gary, it makes it different. It made, it's changed that, and um, more people will clock me now when I'm walking down the road, which is lovely. Yeah, you know, it's it's not necessarily like why. I, I know some people love that side of it more than others. I, 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 it's a part of the job and it's something that I'm massively overwhelmed and honoured that people love my stuff, but sometimes that can get quite overwhelming in itself. Right. Um, so what was the, when you left scaffolding then, Tom, what was the first job that you got? in, the, in Stand-up. The... I was doing stand-up and, yeah. and I sort of threw myself into it. I'd read a... Um, uh, there's an amazing book where Billy Connolly talks to um, his wife, who's uh, Pamela Stevenson. Uh, and and uh, he said Pamela Anderson, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, and he talks about when he first left uh, being a working on a ship site, shipbuilding, and, and, and on the docks to become a musician. And he says a whole bit about look, if you did, you know, an old man said to him, "You don't want to be here in a long, long time, still doing this uh, when you you'd have done anything else." I sort of had read that, and I I, I was upset. I was like. like I was a real comedy nerd as well. I loved comedy. I loved like anything that was, you know, I'd, I'd watch it and on site, you know, you pass the day on, on a building site through sort of, you know, doing little Britain voices or David Brent um, stuff. So then I'd start going to more and more comedy clubs and I just thought I've got to try something else. I want to, I've been doing this on and off since I was sort of 15, like doing scaffolding. And I thought I, I need to try something else. Even like, and if I'm, I'd never ever for a second thought that I'd ever get get here. You know, I, I just thought if it's just something I do three times a week or a couple of times a week in a in a pub, uh, like above a pub, and and I I just get out of the sort of like groundhog day of just going to work. If if I could just have something where I'm just being a bit more creative, and um and yeah, and I just I loved it, and I sort of threw myself into that. And then the acting sort of yeah, the acting started, and, and the script writing, and, and then you and then you then you then you've got to throw yourself into it, you know, because you, you mm. give your life to saying and, and you've got to learn about it. And, you know, and, and I've never, I had to learn sort of ad hoc, really. I'd, I'd never done a, I've never done a script writing course. I've never done anything like that. So I'd learn on set. I'd, I'd, I was really fortunate early on to work with some incredible people who I could, like Coogan and Lee Francis and Catherine Tate, that I could sit at Lee Mack, that I could watch and, and learn from. I could see how much they put in to make something that, and then that's where you sort of learn your craft, I guess. Mm. Before we get away from Murder in Successful, my wife asked me to ask you a question regarding yeah. Chris Kamara. The hey yeah. joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did he make that up on the spot there? Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that was the Mate. thing I think we laughed at more than anything else, even the little titties. <laughs> yeah, he made all... There was, there was probably about 25 or 30 of those on the day. Really? Because uh, also we filmed Murder in Successful in like two days. It's really intense. It's really full on. Like that's just, that might sound a lot, but like if you think most half hours, you'd have a week to film it. We yeah. were like filming them in two days. Yeah, and, and Chris was constant on them. He was like, yeah, he was he was full on. Man. He was a natural, was like, yeah. absolute natural. Yeah, he, he was a. It was, I loved having him on, mate. Mm. He was so funny. Mm. He's become all of them have really, uh, <laughs> say probably one or two have become really like friends because uh, it feels. That was the joy of it. I always wanted it to feel like, you know, like when you watch a cop movie and you see 
at first they don't get on and by the end of it they've really grown a bond mm. and like you know like anything bad boys or whatever you go through the sort of like history of those those uh cop movies there's always friction and at the end lethal weapon whatever they do and and that's how we were trying to make those work but like mark wright is a is a good pal now and, and uh cammy uh deborah mead and lorraine they were just all lovely people yeah it was a real you know I just love the fact that, that, that you're not apologetic about the fact that you break and that you corpse. No, no. Because that, that that's, again, what, what makes the show, I think. Yeah, but that was, yeah, that was just such a, you know, like, that was James DeFond's decision. He was like, we, we've got to do this because it will feel like, you know, when you watch like, the outtakes or something, it felt like that was just like a really different thing that we'd never seen before. Mm. So it was a really, really fun yeah, man. I, yeah, it's one of my favourite things. And I used to try so hard not to break. I think in series one, I didn't really go until we had Louis Smith on. And that was a bit that goes. Yeah. But it was also... My wife just come in for All right. Hello. Only for the back garden. She's not been out and about. She's just... Uh, <laughs> just for legal reasons. Yeah, just for legal yeah. reasons. You don't want to get a hundred pound fine. We can um, make we're 100- taking the isolation very seriously. Because <laughs> um, I did notice there's a couple of times when the person you're talking to is breaking and you're like pulling the thread a bit more. You're, you're really trying to make oh, them yeah. absolutely go. Yeah. It's, it's there. That was my favorite bit of it. Like it, that you'd be on when the thing would fall apart and collapse would just be like, just so much. There's, there's one scene in, with Greg James where we first find a dead body and, uh, and he's like, you know, oh, you never forget his first dead body. <laughs> and Greg starts laughing. It's like, Mine was a prostitute. Uh, she stabbed like a thousand times or something like that. And he says, "Like, oh, as he really starts laughing." I'm like, "What would you do if I told you that prostitute was my mother?" Yeah. And Greg's face is like, because people would try to keep it together, and that's yeah. nothing funny. Whether you're in school and you're trying to make another kid laugh, thinking he might get in trouble with a teacher, mm. or you're on a set of a BBC uh, show, that's <laughs> a real joy. I still get a kick out. When we're doing King Gary, I'll probably get more fun out of trying to make the other person laugh than I do actually doing the scenes Um, sometimes. But yeah, it's a joyous thing. So when it came to King Gary then, um, how long did you have the idea? Was it something that came together quite easily, the casting? Was that something that you you knew who it was that you were sort of writing for? It's really, yeah, it really is. It's it's like, it's very much the world I'm from. It was was something that we were, I was really honoured to be asked really from the BBC and from Shane Allen, who's like been sort of really great to me from my, throughout my career. But um, so it was a massive thing to sort of sit down and write about a world that, you know, I've come from and, and they're sort of like, you know, that, those, those working class, that sort of, I guess that sort of new, sort of new sort of rich sort of, you know, it sort of world's changed a little bit now, obviously, but they, you know, sort of guys who sort of made a bit of money and sort of like sort of, a bit flash and a bit in your face with it. It felt, yeah, it's it's a world that I sort of know very well. It was a world I was in from sort of majority. I sort of still am, really. A lot of my pals still are Gary King. Right. Uh, and I was, was a fair <laughs> dose of him in me, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, yeah, it, it felt, um, yeah, it was, it was, so when, so when we started writing it, it was, it was, it was a weird thing as well because Murder and Successful and, and we did a thing called Action Team that, that we've written before they felt more, um, they, they were sort of out there, they were a little bit more sort of like, you know, I guess high concepts. And then with, with Gary, it was, it, it's, a, it's a proud, it's a sitcom, you know, it's, it's, it is very much a sort of like mainstream sitcom. 
that it's sort of a different part of your brain that you've got. You know, you're you're going into a world where you, you can't really swear because you're going to go out to a mess, a bigger audience. So you don't want to be swearing. You don't want to be too gratuitous. So you're hoping it's going to be more of a family show. Mm. I, I always wanted to make it on a basis that you could probably put out at uh, like at eight o'clock, and it would be fine because it just it, it pushed a different part of my of my of sort of my brain and my writing style really. Mm. But yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, I'm very proud of it. So Tom, you said you sort of based some of it on real experiences. Were they real sort of scenarios that you encountered? Yeah, the first episode with the with the glasses happened. I. I needed glasses from when I left school but like growing up where I did I just and around the people I grew up with I never wanted to be the geezer with glasses um, <laughs> I was so like now they've literally become 90% of my image but um at the time I was like nah, nah I'm not wearing fucking glasses mate <laughs> and then going to and I remember going on a building site about the age of 31 31 I think it was I might have been younger and wearing glasses because literally I couldn't I've got stigmatism I've got really I've got, I haven't got like a bit of short sightedness I've got fucked up. <laughs> fucking thing. And I'm standing in the middle of fucking the West End with people dropping down fucking scaffolding fucking tubes and I'm catching them. And they're like, you know, take you take someone fucking take a whole street out. Um and I can't see basically. It's all fucking luck more, more than anything else. So uh so I'm like, you know, I need to do something about this. So um I uh, I went and got um I went and got yeah, glasses and I wore the first day I wore them, the roasting I got was like, where do you think you are coming in here with glasses? <laughs> like, well, you're going to do an open university course. It was just <laughs> like really like, um, and every, yeah, that, it was just like the thought that I'd changed my whole image. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, so that sort of was very much a real thing. And then um, uh, the Amazon deliveries, is, is, mm. I'm actually sort of, I'm the worst person for it because, my neighbours would testify I'm constantly getting stuff on Amazon. Mo- loads more now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> really, sh- really showing off with deliveries daily. Um, <laughs> really just owning, owning the corona epidemic. With, like, just it has really to be done, though. Sort of it has to be done. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, but, um, Rubbing uh, everybody's nose in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Fortnum Amazing <laughs> So um, obviously the rest of the cast. Now uh, anybody that's a this country fan knows that the lovely Laura Checkley is uh, is your wife. Um, yeah, she's also yeah. um, in this country. She's uh, the Eternal yeah, yeah. Vitality rep, Shaz. Um, yes. She must be. I mean, how you get through scenes? You must be like making each other crack up because some of the faces that she pulls in King Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's amazing. She, but you know, also she she is like she makes me go all the time. But she's also like a real, she's a consummate professional. So she will laugh at the end. It's like seldom can you make Laura go like corpse. Oh like right, she's really yeah. She's like she's really she uh, now and again she'll go and she really goes. But for a lot of the time, she's like really she's so on it. Mm. She sort of puts me to shame really <laughs> with how sort of like you know. So, I mean, this is terrible because I, I, I obviously I write it as well with James. I'll come in and Laura will be more on the lines than I have. <laughs> it's my show. Um, but, um, but yeah, she, she's, oh man, I, I love her with all my heart. She was like very much like when we even first talked about the show, we were with the BBC and it was like, I said to Laura, because we'd done Action Team and we'd done a few things before and we were friends. And I said, one day we could play like husband and wife in a sort of sitcom. And it was sort of like we thought maybe in 10 years when more people know who we are. 
and uh, she um and and then so when this sort of came up, it, I was very much to the guy to the BBC. It has to be Laura, really. I, I can't like. There's no one else that I'd ever feel that I could ever that chemistry that that love between them has to feel real. And I don't think you could get that. I think that it's you know obviously Daisy and Charlie. I think it's you know one of the joys of this country when I watch it is just uh, and that obviously they are family, but. What I love most about it is the fit. You 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 buy every part of it, Mandy. The world feels real. Like I'll, I'll you know I'll, I'll sort of was it cross no hairs or whatever whatever. What like this country when I was writing King Gary, I was like it was like I, I watched that as the world that they were from, and the people who inhabited that world felt like they were they were real. It felt like hundred percent conviction. And I know like obviously. You know the cast is sort of built up of family and friends, but that that felt so when it came to like Romish, she's casting Romish is a mate, but Romish is from that world. Romish knows those people. Neil Maskell's from that world, but he's Neil Maskell's a mate. Simon Day was from that. So so something like this country for me was was like you know I was talking about this country when when we started writing Gary, and I thought it was like, in my mind I put everything. I don't know if you boys are football fans, yeah. But I put everything down to a football analogy, and from in my head. When I first watched this country, it felt a bit like when Arsene Wenger came into the English game and it was like every other manager and every other writer has got to raise their game now because this is so good. That's how I felt about it. I thought that, like, oh, yeah. shit, this is... like. And at the, mo- at the time, I was sort of fortunate because I was making improvised shows, so I didn't have to worry about scripts. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to it, I was like, that. it, it really was... It really That's what it did to me, really, I think, in, in the show. And, so when we were writing, I, I, like the authenticity that that and people just do nothing that those shows have, we had to try and bring that to a mainstream mainstream show. That's what we, for us, it was like, so we had to cast for it, obviously, but we had to make like, Rand Hennessy is from, from the world, you know, as Chloe, everyone is from it. So it had to feel, authentic. I, what I didn't want is someone coming in that and doing like a, a Cockney accent really badly or sort of what they, and like, you know, I, I've, had online arguments about where people would turn around about uh, the show and say, "Oh yeah, the accent's a bit over the top." I'm like, "Fuck off, you prick! <laughs> come down, to, come down where I'm from. Go, you know, fucking yeah, go to Dagenham on a yeah. Saturday, you dickhead. Like, go to West Ham for a game. We, we've pulled these down because we had to, but um, it was a real bugbear of mine uh, because it is authentic. It is real. Mm. Is is the world that we're mm. that we're all, we're both from, but we're all from the cast." So if you if anyone had been on set doing a really hammy Cockney accent, you'd have been ripped to shreds. <laughs> so um, yeah. Are, you, are your ex colleagues from the site and that? Um, do they critique it for you? Oh yeah. <laughs> do you know that you just came to life on the video just for that question? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've been frozen, and it just it was like it was like Narnia. But <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Aslan fucking unfreezes everyone. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it's a constant. Uh, it's a constant uh, thing with every, everyone I grew up with, all the um, all the old builders and everything, all the guys, all my pals. It's a weird thing as well because a lot of them never even watched Murder and Successful, so a lot <laughs> of them would watch. It's not the first thing I've done has been Gary and League of Their Own, and I haven't had a career before it. <laughs> so when you say that, oh yeah, yeah, we've seen you loads of things. They're like, fucking, we've smashed it now, that King Gary, and I'm like, oh no, I've done all right up to now. But I feel like. <laughs> Like a, sort of like, yeah. a one-hit wonder kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of them seem to be asking if I'm ever going to do Strictly. That seems to be all of the things. Oh, are yeah, you ever going to do? Are you? Oh, would you, are you? Would you? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I've got that in me. If I'm honest, it takes a hell of a lot of dedication. 
I just want to make comedy. Yeah. I like, I've no, like, um, well, who's to say strictly wouldn't be comedy if you did it? <laughs> oh, it would be funny, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to train for like whatever it is three months before the first show, and then I'd just be out. Because the thing but is, so... we've seen we've seen your moves. We've seen your moves in Vicar yeah. Bob's House of Fools. That was, the, I think, the first <laughs> thing I actually saw you properly. So, what was it like working with Vic and Bob? Yeah, man, I was. It was inc- that was a great show. That was incredible. Yeah, it was a weird one as well, because that was the first time I, I, I knew Rob Esch through stand-up. It was the first time that I, uh, I'd i worked with him. Of course. It was a weird thing. That was the sort of start of our journey, me and Rob Esch. And, and, and then Tony Way has sort of been a staple of... I did my first ever TV job, the second first... No, first ever TV job with Tony Way, where I played a big monster and he played an armpit for a kid's TV show. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> uh, and so Tony's... And then obviously Tony is just incredible in murder successful he's mm. like he was like every series we'd just be like who's tony way gonna play so that was just like the three of it, it was it was a mad show to film as well because like sort of we there was a real main cast there and then we were sort of like coming into it as these sort of weird guys but we didn't have any time to really practice that dance really. oh, right. <laughs> the first time we did it was almost the time you saw it on the show oh, um really? yeah it, it, it was crazy man like like uh they're great. I mean, they're just legends. Bob is just for me probably again like Bob. You know, just as a working class guy, just his his his, his use of the British, you know, the English language, mm. just how he, you know, he's just an incredible human being, isn't he? Just and both just yeah. so. I loved him and Paul Whitehouse. I love that show. That was just, oh yeah, yeah. Whitehouse was like everything to me. He just, you know, he's sort of you know, there's heroes for me. And there's Paul Whitehouse. What I loved about him was just like. He just felt he, he could sort of do any character. And, and, and that was my thing. Up until Gary, I was always like trying to do characters that didn't feel like me cause, or, or, or didn't feel just like it. You know, so when I did a thing called the Morgana show a long time ago, that felt like I want to try and push myself as a character actor. Like White House. Yeah, White House, I sort of, White House I looked at as being like, I meant, I, until I sort of, I remember when he first called me, which was like the most, even that, it was like, I had, a, I had a voicemail from him. I woke up one morning and I had a voicemail from Paul Whitehouse and it literally, I was giddy. I was like, oh my God, fucking hell, Paul Whitehouse <laughs> is called. And it was like, you know, for, yeah, it was a hell of a thing. And, and so his trajectory was something I was always just fascinating. It was a guy who was a plasterer. Mm. And, and, and and it was like, when you come from that, there's not many too many people that you can actually just, you know, it, the concourse is different. So you've got to go, like, you know, who's done, who's broken through like this? And Paul was sort of, for me anyway, I feel like Paul was the sort of the guy to sort of look at and, and, and try and follow that. Mm. So as we are a This Country podcast, let's talk a little bit about This yeah. Country. First of all, where did you find out about it originally then? I, I knew about You know what? Here's a mad thing. So I'd written a pilot with James years ago for Comedy Central and Daisy was in the pilot as so Daisy was in the read through that we did. And then Daisy went to do, I think, the series or the pilot of this country and couldn't do the show. Well, I think I remember exactly how it played out, but she basically couldn't we couldn't get to make dates work. And then Daisy basically we got Laura Chickley in to to do that part that Daisy was gonna do. And that started the relationship with Laura. Oh, but, right. So I knew about this country. I'd seen, and I. So when we cast Daisy, someone had sent sent us a really early version of that, and we'd seen it. So I sort of was aware of it. Um, and then Daisy brought Charlie to the read through. 
Oh. Um, and I sort of chatted to him briefly, and I thought, uh, you know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know sort of the time. I was, you know, um, but she's just even like when we were doing the read through, she was just like one of those people. You're just like, wow, fucking hell, she's incredible. And we're like relatively early on in our careers. So I'm talking. This is, I think this is like maybe during about series one of Murder Successful, maybe. You know, so I sort of knew about it then, and then, yeah, I'd sort of have been hooked. Really, when it came out, I was just my auntie, weirdly, who's who's not like a comedy geek, but she's from Somerset. She's from uh, fuck, what's the name of the place near um, Street, Ilchester, and she basically watched it and. It called called my mum. It called me. It's like Rosie's like this program, which is literally their lives down in Ilchester. It's you know, uh, and and yeah, I just I was just sort of obsessed with it. Really, from 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 I just just the writing, but also like I, you know, I think Daisy is incredible for me. I just think Charlie is just like uh, I, I sort of he's just a phenomenon. Mm. Like they both are, but I just like. I, he's not had any acting training, sort of, and so everything he's doing is on gut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. And, and that is just something you know. I, I seldom where you you. I think probably Charlie's ten years younger than me, but I'm a sort of <laughs> so late in and sort of in all of them both, man. They're, they're just incredible. So yeah, it was just like and and then me and my wife have just it's it's sort of been the staple of like we just both we've loved the the, the show. It's like. And, and we're both quite emotional actually this week when it was over. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, you know, I'm not the, the thing about it. If this is a this country, this country podcast, so if anyone's listening to this and watched the last episode, fuck you, like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, spoiler wise, <laughs> I just thought the ending is just, I just thought it was just perfect. I just, and so, yeah, so I got into it really, and I've sort of been a fan since, since it sort of started, really. Right. So, if you, so you were, I was like, go on, Neil, go on, Neil. I was going to say, Tom, do you have a favourite series then now all three are finished? Uh, you know what? I think they're all amazing. I, whenever I feel down, I'll go and watch the special and the scene where uh, <laughs> Kerry goes to see uh, the guy from in, in, the, in the heart. Trev. Oh, Satan's <laughs> yeah. fingers. With the fingers. Yeah. And uh, I, the guy who, who plays that, that character is fucking incredible but that scene he, like i've probably watched i would say 50 to 100 times. i love that so i just think it's perfect comedy writing um and it's just so my style of stuff of like when he she, when he's you know there she was bent over he's just <laughs> looking at him in the eye the description <laughs> of it all is just fucking incredible um that would so favorite series but favorite series uh it's hard they're it is just, hard. They're, it they're is. incredible. I thought actually, yeah, the, the pathos of, of series two and the sort of journey they took it on with. I've got to say as well, man, I just think like Paul Cooper is fucking amazing. Martin Mutlow. Mm. I'll tell you actually, this is this is when they did the building site episode, right? Uh, I remember like, like talking to mates who had been on the building site and who are not an easy crowd. And all of us were like, that is so bang on. Like what it's like, and I started on like when I was scaffolding, like on like curtain in that. I was like in in a really on a small firm, so you'd be with go and do house and backs and fronts of houses. So you'd be with two older guys usually, and you'd be their labourer. 
Mm. And I did that. I mean, to be fair, to, I won't you know, bullshit you. I was a labourer still at the age of 30. <laughs> so I was still curtain at the age of 30. But I was like, I said to, I remember saying to my old man and stuff, I was like, this is so bang on. Like the, the simpleness of the Kirsty line, which I think sometimes goes over people's heads. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, it's so the subtlety of it. And also, just the actual how a building site hierarchy works was just bang on. Like, you know, the fact that actually, you know, when you're at the bottom, the, the, the guy in the middle is the worst fucking, the weakest character because he's just so far up someone else's ass. It's mm. just, um, yeah, I just thought, yeah, that was just a fucking incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, that was it. But, yeah, so, I mean, are you pushing me to pick a favourite series? Or oh, can yeah, I, 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 think, I, think I think we should. I think we should. Yeah, I go on then. Oh, yeah. um, It'd be interesting just to see. I was going to say, I, I, I will go, I'll go series two. I think series two. Yeah. Series two. So fucking hard though, man, because it's also brilliant. I know. Series one is. I know. My, I especially think I, how strong I, series three was. Um, I just yeah. think you know it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Hold on, wait. I'm just going to let my dog in because he's outside. Just playing. Okay. He's been out as well. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> Not about that. Um, just outside, like yeah. I'm like, get your exercise. Yeah. Um, you only had it once a day. <laughs> 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 Trying to send him down the shops. Uh, so, no, no, no. Tom, when you grew up in um, where was it? Dagenham, wasn't it? Right? No, 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 no. I was more like Croydon, but okay. then I moved to quite. We I lived in Croydon, sort of Sutton area, but then we moved to sort of a really like sort of more. You know, when I was sort of in my mid-teens, we were in a more sort of like countrified sort of place, and it was like more. It was quite a lot like where they were in a sense. It was quite sort of. It was between sort of like Sutton and Croydon and Red Hill and Kingston. It was just this weird little sort of place in the middle of all these you know, other areas. And you sort of needed buses to get anywhere. And, uh, you, you know, so in the morning, I had to, you know, if I couldn't get picked up to go to the site, I'd have to get on a fucking bus at like, you know, like five in the morning or five and just sort of get to sort of someone's house. So it, that sort of resonated quite a lot. And, and also that sort of feeling, I think what's brilliant about this country, I think it, it's incredible. But I think when I when I watch, like even there's a great outtake from this series when they're talking to the guy who's on the other side of the railway tracks. Yes, Darren Lacey. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then so the bit that resonated, although I sort of grew up in more of a sort of like sort of city, I guess the bit that really hit me was that age of when I was about sixteen, seventeen, and and sort of I was in a group of mates, and some of them went to university, or quite a few guys that I knew went to and girls went to university because it was the first time really of sort of more working class kids were going and I sort of lost a whole group of friends really. And, and then I basically ended up sort of being a bit like Curtin, I guess, where I was just, you know, hanging out with like grown men who sort of like on building sites and sort of, I was sort of 16, 15, 16 and all these other people were going to uni. So that idea of being left behind. And then when everyone came back from uni for the sort of like summer or whatever, and had stories of like, oh my god, it's so fucking cool in Nottingham, like you know. And like, what have you been? I said, like, oh, and you try to make the inane life that you've been living that hasn't changed at all since they since they've left. It's like, yeah, yeah, I should brought a new pair of Reebok Classics. It's pretty cool. So it's like, it's like uh, so so that sort of side of it just resonated so much that that sort of being left behind. Like, you know, Kerry, Daisy's performance is, you know, fuck me, she's just, yeah, she's a, 
incredible. Indeed. Right, before we carry on, because I, I do want to chat football to you, uh, for, uh, with you a little yeah. bit, but we're going to play Kerry or Curtain now. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell yeah. me if it was Kerry or Curtain. Are you ready? Okay. Number one. I'm ready. Oh, God, that is tragic. Oh, God, that is tragic. Is that Kerry or Curtain? Uh, I'm probably going to go Curtain. That was Kerry. That really? was when Curtain's talking to Kaylee. In uh, oh, the driving, driving lesson episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Number, okay, yeah. number two. <laughs> they want you to beat them up, but I don't think they want to beat you up. That's Curtain. That is Curtain, indeed. That's uh, talking about Kerry's letter that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that she gets. Great episodes. That is. Yeah. Uh, number three. If I need to go back to joke school, then you, you need to go back to shagging school then, mate. Uh, that is, that's Curtain, right? That's, that's the episode I was talking about. That is, talking to Martin after getting the sack. Yeah, yeah. Number four, I am concerned because my peripheral vision is poor. Kerry, that's where? the episode where, that's, uh, is that the pilot? The that, first episode? No, that's the threatening letters episode. Where she oh, is it? Yeah, that somebody's, yeah. But that's, so you're on uh, three out of four so far, last one. He used to say I look like the puppet from the Dolmio advert. <laughs> he used to say... He used to say, I looked like the puppet from the Dolmio advert. Oh, man, that's hard. I, I know the line as well. I just can't now clock who he said it. I'd say Kerry. Four out of five. Well done, yeah. sir. That was the Mandy well episode when they were talking about Mr. Perkins. That's oh, what yes, he, yes. He, he called <laughs> it. That's what he well done. Four out of five. That's very good. I was well going devastated about the front one. First one. I just I had it. It's tragic in Curtain's head. I, I, there's a part of me that wants to go back through every episode now and find <laughs> Curtain saying. <laughs> and if he does, I'll give you that that, that point. If yeah, that's, if uh, that's yeah. Okay. I feel like I want five out of five. Indeed. So, right. Tom, you spoke about. I was just going to quickly say, Tom, you spoke about having relevance to when you grew up with this country. Were there characters like Mandy or that around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's did... what Martin Mucklow was pretty much. My uncle was like Martin Mucklow. It's not my uncle even. He's my dad's brother's wife's uh, <laughs> brother. <laughs> uh, and he is literally Martin Mucklow. So when I was first of school and I was working with him, I went labouring with him. And he would like... So one time we were putting down a felt roof. I was up on this fucking roof, right? And he was like, Tom, going for lunch, yeah? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you just grab us a couple of sandwiches? And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, right? Fucking about an hour and a half, I'm like, like doing all this fucking bullshit. I'm like, oh, man, I need a glass of water. I'll just go down. And he'd taken the ladder away, right? <laughs> I'm on the top of this fucking roof, roof and he's taking the ladder. And this is before mobile phones, I'm showing my age now. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking hell, man. Like, I can't get down. So I'm sort of sat on this roof, and it's the summer, so I'm burning. <laughs> and then he'd come back about four hours later, and he'd been in the boozer. Stank a fucking, and he's like, I forgot your fucking, I forgot, <laughs> forgot your sandwiches. And I'm like, dragging himself up this ladder. I was like, why did you move the ladder? And he went, health and safety. Like, I don't want anyone fucking. Uh, and he was like, yeah, but he couldn't be wrong. And then another time he dropped me, me and this other guy off, who was essentially like the other guy from that episode. And he dropped us off at this woman's house. And he was like, I'm going to drop you here, yeah? Um, just get stuck in. Uh, and then I'll see you in a couple of hours. So we get there and we're just standing there. And I'm like, what are we even doing here? Like, what, what job are we doing? And the other guy went, I don't know. 
So we just stood in this person's like front garden for about an hour, just sort of like standing. And now and again, she'd come to the window and look out, like quite confused. And we'd sort of wave back. And in the end, I knocked at the door and went, all right, um, yeah, Paul Hoyles has sent us. Like, uh, what is it you need actually like, like doing? She was like, oh, he's here to do my drive. I went, oh, yeah, no, that'll make it right. And I was like, what is that? You know, he told us the fucking thing. And they'd come and pick us up at like six, six in the fucking evening. It's got so Martin, he was like, and his way, his like, he'd sort of tell people outlandish lies. And so we had like kids all over like the area I was from. So he was like Martin. And it was like Mandy's, like a lot of sort of like, like there's a woman I know who sells Christmas trees. Who's like, yeah, you know, it's Christmas, not at Christmas, obviously. Yeah, because <laughs> woman I know who sells Christmas trees at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Business is booming. <laughs> uh, who's like Mandy and like Len. Uh, you know, and then those sort of sweet souls. I mean, you know, the liquor, beautiful as a character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then, like, you know, sort of Kevin Curtin. There's, there's, my wife will say to me now and again, I'll, I'll get really annoyed by something and, and really get angry. And like with the whole corona thing, I, I had a whole thing the other day and I melt down about uh, people, sort of selfish people, mm. uh, when there's old people. And she was like, you sound like Curtin. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I I think that's that's the beauty of, of things is when you can find the real people within it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now you're um, a football fan, as you just uh, yeah. just alluded to, a yeah, West yeah. Ham fan. Um, yes. I'm quite glad because it's, it's taken us two or three times to to get us together, and one of the yeah. times I think was a couple of days after. Liverpool beat because I'm a Liverpool fan. So Liverpool beat West Ham. Oh, I'm quite glad yeah. that one got cancelled because I knew I thought yeah. you might storm off if you realised I was a oh. Liverpool fan. <laughs> I, I was at the um, I was at the game at London Stadium. Oh, were you? Uh, you know what? I knew we'd get beaten, but I just wanted to see that Liverpool side. Right. So it was just. I was going to say with the coronavirus and everything, what's your view on the season? Liverpool at the moment, 25 points ahead. What do, What do you think they should do? in regards to playing I, I, out the season or just cancelling it? I, I, realistically, I mean, I like, so we were, I was going to be doing a show at the moment with like Harry and Jamie Redknapp, like a, like a sort of chat show type thing about a football show. I'm obsessed with sport anyway. But so we were sort of chatting about it before. It's, there's a part, I like it, the standings as they are to stand because I mean, West Ham would stay up and I do think we had a bit of a dicey run in. Um, I, I sort of think, it, I'm not one. I don't see it on the line of being like. I, I, I think it would be immensely unfair for Liverpool not to be given the title this year because mm. I, I can't. I probably it was only really the Arsenal invincible side that I can ever remember being this dominant. Like you know, this 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 incredible. Um, but then you've got a sort of look at. It, I think someone said to me that every manager has to sign off, or every club has to sign off that that that's. That that's the thing. They're not going to be able to play out the rest of the season because that wouldn't be able to happen until probably August, September, maybe. Um, if you've got to think now that all the players are being quarantined, so no one's training. They're not training to the level that they usually train in. Uh, so they'd have to get back to training. So I mean, this is this is not this is not. So this is me going through football shit. But, um, <laughs> no, I asked uh, I asked the question. So you're, no, you're no, no. So so yeah. for me, it, it, it sort of it, I, I get a really bad feeling. That I think it could, I think they might just say that the sort of season's null and void, which then would be really unfair because if you then go, right, we're going to go again as if it's this season, well, does that mean that no one can make any signings? Does that mean yeah. that no one, you know, also my, one of my really close friends is a Leeds fan. So like Leeds and West Brom, mm. you know, 
So West Brom have uh, two, you know, a player from West Ham, another great, great young player, on loan. We're going to want the guy back. We've already tried to get him back, but he's on a year-long loan. So we couldn't. So he'll be at West Ham next year. So West Brom missed a great chance to go up. Leeds missed a great chance. So there was, there was a school of thought that <coughs> they try and bring West Brom and Leeds up and make our league 22 teams next year and do that across the board. But I'm not too sure if that... Uh, it's just a bit... It's a Because if they then started playing this season and ended it in August, September, that you'd forever be in a place where you're constantly starting the season later. Mm. <coughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it is a tough one, and I, and I know it's an that, awkward one. Isn't it? Yeah, I know there's this no, isn't this no isn't a, good answer, exactly exactly. Apart from the fact that they should give Liverpool the title, I think that's the only. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, mate, no one's going to catch you, but but then it it it's sort of that everyone because if you give Liverpool the title, and then you turn around, then that would mean that four teams, other three teams, would then finish in the Champions League, right? Because then you're saying that we're going. So then. If you're Man United or someone, you're going, we're not signing that off. You haven't finished the league. Or, exactly, or exactly. Someone else on the climb for the Europa. And if you're Norwich and if you're uh, whoever else in the bottom three as it stands, you go, well, there's a whole fucking season to go. Mm-hmm. So we don't want it. We don't want that. So mm-hmm. you've got uh, – someone did it online. Someone did it on Twitter. They did – a Liverpool fan. He did the breakdown of who you would say yes right now as it stands and who would say no. And actually the teams that would say yes are really only Liverpool, West Ham – and the sort of teams that could have been caught up. So it's like almost, I think, like six teams up against 14. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's a difficult one there, man. Oh, so, it's... love of sport then, it must have been a dream going on a league of their own. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, man, that show is just a... Do you know I was meant to be playing in a football game with Charlie and uh, Paul in April? I was really that, looking forward to that. That's right. The charity game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been cancelled now. Oh. I was really looking forward to that. I was better going to soccer aid, but I think that's going to be like later in the year. Um, <laughs> that's actually an exclusive. I wasn't going to tell anyone. That. There you go. What, what position do you play, way. Tom? Uh, I used to play centre back in the Sunday League, but I was, um, yeah, I wasn't what I call a, a particularly like a gifted footballer. I could just get in the way. I was sort of <laughs> <laughs> just a big lump. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm a soccer aid. I'm going to try and play up front. Nice. Bang, yeah. Tom, bang a few in. Going, yeah. <laughs> going on the league of their own, those challenges that you volunteered to have a go at afterwards, like the abseiling one, wasn't it? Yeah. Really as terrifying as it looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That abseiling was absolutely, that was so scary. Like, also, so, uh, it sounds really braggy, but um, fuck it. Um, <laughs> I got like a, I had a gig, like a charity gig the night before we were going to fly and I was like, oh man, I've got to do this charity gig. So, you know, I don't think at the time uh, it was really hard for me to get out to Rotterdam. And then someone was like, look, AJ's flying out uh, on a private jet on the, the morning of the shoot. We'll see if he'll let you get on his, his flight. So then they call AJ and AJ's like, yeah, yeah, cool, jump on. So then you're like, oh man, just fucking hell, I was on a flight with the champion of the world. And that's like, fucking hell, pinch, pinch yourself time. And he said, oh, what do you make of um, this abseil thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was trying to give it a bigger try. I was like, yeah. Oh, man. he's like yeah 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 that's all right yeah yeah i'm like yeah i'm definitely up for it yeah be you know just i didn't want to look like a, fucking, a wimp in front of aj yeah uh and then we get to the place and we look up and then aj went yeah fucking i would have probably done that but like legal constraints and stuff i'm not allowed to do it because of insurance reasons and i'm like what and i was like oh fuck <laughs> i could get out of it and it was like genuinely so there's no part of me there that's that's acted it was I, you know it was fucking terrifying and this and this is another thing right 
as we're coming down the abseil, it starts, the harness starts creaking, really like creaking it. And I'm like, fucking hell, shit. And I turn to the woman, I'm like, should this thing be creaking so much? It's really fucking making a lot of weird sounds. And she was like, how much do you weigh? And I'm like, like 22 stone. And she went, 22 stone? Oh my God, you're the heaviest person we've ever had on one of these. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she went, nobody's ever been 22 stone. I wouldn't have let you get on here at 22 stone. And I'm like, you fucking... So we're halfway down, and I'm like, ass is literally... I'm like, cry, literally, I was crying, terrified. It was, it was fucking horrible. So that, and like, like things like the ice skating. I genuinely the ice skating. I was like, I, I, and the ice skating, as a kid, I didn't have any idea I'd be that bad. Like, it was, yeah. 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 I feel your pain on that one. Yeah. Oh dear me! So, what uh, is there anything that you can tell us about what you've got coming up? What you've got uh, planned for the future? Or so we're so um, we're doing series two of King Gary. Excellent. Um, uh, and then we're, I'm working on another thing which hasn't been announced yet, and the sort of Corona thing. But it's um, it's a, like a collaboration thing we're doing with the guys from from People Just Do Nothing, which has sort of been a couple of years in the works and. Sort of getting all our diaries in, in, in the right place, really. So, which is slightly frustrating because there's some obviously there's more important things going on. But with the corona thing, it's sort of taken us a while to get into a place where we could actually record that. Um, so, we're writing that in a moment, and that gets announced hopefully in the sort of near future. Um, and yeah, and then and, and then sort of we're trying a new thing, which is sort of like an immersive, um, uh, like a search similar to Murder and Successful. So, it's a bit of an immersive sort of uh, show. But uh, yeah, sort of done with a different sort of twist. It's sort of never really been sort of, again like done before. So um, we're doing that. I just sort of, I, you know, I sort of try. I sort of King Gary Cup is a massive one because we've got to get that that series two. You got to make sure it's sort of you, you learn from. There's sort of when I watch series one, I'm like, there's there's moments of it. That I'm not. I'm quite critical. I'm very critical of anything I do. I'm sort of like with anything. I'm like, how can we make mm. this better? So yeah, you sort of yeah, it's quite. So for series two, we're, we're sort of pushing ourselves to. Just to make sure it's yeah, we grow it and it gets better. Will you, will you get longer to write it with this coronavirus? Then, will it um, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still writing this other thing, and, and then we're yeah, we've got a bit more time. I think, I think, I don't, I don't know how long this thing's going to last. So, like the, the the corona, so it could be the fact that you, you know, we even if everyone gets back to work in, at the end of July, August, you'd still need you know then film this other thing in in sort of September or film that film a special of Gary or whatever. So we're just at the moment it's sort of everything's up in the air. So but we've got time to the main thing is I think with anything is making sure you have that time to to write. I think people will wait for good stuff. This country mm. proves that. I think mm. that if something's good, you people will wait for it. I think Fleabag, you know, there was a long wait between series one and two. So I think I think the way people consume stuff, they want it to be more than anything, they want to see it. I mean People sort of are messaging me every day at the moment, going, "Oh, you get, when's series two coming out?" And you're like, "I've literally series one's just finished." <laughs> but um, uh, um, but it, yeah, it, it sort of all takes time, you know. And uh, so, and and also, I'm, I'm I'm so keen to try. I'm really I love doing new stuff. I love doing stuff that's a bit different. And like, sort of, King Gary is incredible because it sort of is that writing a sitcom, like a proper sitcom, is is one part of your brain. But it's nice to sort of. Go actually, how can I do something that's just weird and a bit off the wall again? And that's mm. what this other idea is. Hopefully. Mm. Well, Tom, good luck with everything in the future. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, we finally oh, got no, it. Thank you. Finally got it oh, sorted. No, honestly, 
Thank you so much for bearing with me. And it was really been lovely. I mean, I don't feel I've talked enough about how amazing this country is. But um, uh, To be able to get this time with you, mate, is has been a real pleasure. Oh, no, thank Especially, you both. You know, we, we, we love the stuff that you do and, and, and keep uh, keep churning it oh, out, no, mate. Thank you. Um, and stay yeah. safe. And, oh, uh, thank you both. Honestly. Yeah, thank cheers, you. man. Right, Neil, do you want to just run through thank your you. little bits and pieces before we go? Absolutely, you can find us all on the all best. The Cheers, mate. I'm sorry, I'll oh. just slip out. All the best. God bless you both. Cheers, Cheers. Man. Thank you, Batman. Stay safe in these times. And you. Cheers. Bless Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers, chaps. Cheers. Absolutely, you can find us on all the social medias under WTAF This Country. Uh, we are on the internet with our own website, which is W. <laughs> oh, I didn't ding you for that one. I'll ding you for that one. Yeah, you see, you're putting me out. Fucking hell, that deafens me. When we Does do it? It doesn't like seem that, that loud from here because I got my headphones on, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's, so. it's coming through my headphones. <laughs> Anyhow, and uh, <laughs> so you, yes, please do visit our website for all information and everything. And you can email us at wtafthiscountry at hotmail.com. There you go. And don't forget, please, um, you can join us on our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash WTAF. We have a range of different, um, I always forget what they're called, rewards. That's it. Rewards. Different rewards for as little as $1 a month. It's dollars because it's an American thing. Um, But it, it helps the podcast out. It means that we can keep doing this. And it just means that, you know, we have ample bosoms, so why not just grab a dollar bill and, uh, and you know, Neil likes that sort fill of thing. Fill our cleavages. Indeed. Fill our cleavages with your love. <laughs> that and also bad. you get bonus content that you won't get anywhere else. You do. You do get bonus uh, content and uh, a load of other gubbins, so just go there. Uh, so that'll do. Thank you very much to Tom. He's already gone. Uh, yes. He's a very awesome. bu- he's well, he's a, a busy man, isn't he? He's a busy, he? busy yeah, boy. Yeah. But we're so... I'm, I'm relieved and absolutely chuffed that we actually got him because uh, it's been a long time in the works, this podcast, and we finally got it. We finally nailed it. So I'm going to say goodbye to Neil. And I'll say goodbye to Pat. <laughs> okay, I wasn't goodbye, expecting, Pat. expecting that. I'm going to sign off, and then I am going to press save for this fucker because then I know that we've got it in the bag. Sure you do. So thank you, Tom. Thanks. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was pal. waiting for you to do that then because you did that last time. I'm sorry, mate. I looked yeah. the other way. That's never mind. Never mind. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. And go and get plumbed, you fuckers. I hit save. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything Podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.